Well, if you remember, to two weeks ago, we spoke about Advent, and I ended that sermon by saying that I think the next step for us as a church is into evangelism. Uh, so for the next five weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about evangelism. We're going to a source that's not the normal place for that. We're going to be in Genesis. So uh, just know that it may feel a little different, but it's going to be good stuff, I hope. <laughs> So we're going to be talking about what the book about the beginning of life can teach us about bringing new life to the world around us. Now evangelism is defined as the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness, or my personal favorite, the zealous advocacy for a cause. That's good. That right there, that really gets you. Zealous advocacy for a cause, which our cause happens to be Christianity. Now in order to evangelize effectively, we have to really understand why should we do it. What's the point? Um, why do we do it? Is it for us? Do it, does it even matter? Isn't that the staff's job? Like, isn't, isn't that my responsibility and not really yours? And is it really necessary for us on a personal, individual level? And so we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1 today, verses 26 and 27, because this is the start. Now, I will argue for you uh, that the start of evangelism really occurs here in Genesis, and this is what those verses have to say. Again, chapter 1, verse 26 through 27. If you have the Bible app, you can find our live event and follow along there. But this is what it has to say. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Here's the thing, because this is the case, because of what we just read, the first thing that you need to understand is that all human beings have an intrinsic God-given value. All human beings have an intrinsic God-given value. You see, we are the pinnacle of God's creation. Now that sounds a little self-serving, it sounds like I'm uh, maybe a little cocky in saying that, but we are the absolute pinnacle of God's creation, and I don't say that statement without bringing you proof. Exhibit A, here in Scripture. God created us with the purpose of ruling over the rest of creation. God looked at everything that he did, and now he said, let's make somebody in our image, okay? Most likely speaking with the heavenly host there. Let's make somebody in our image to be like us and to rule over this creation that I have put forth around us. And so he made man and he made woman. So God himself is placing the human being above the rest of creation. Exhibit B, we are made in the likeness and in the image of God. Something that no other created being shares. No other creating being shares that. No other created being can say that they were made in the likeness and in the image of God. Now those are two totally separate things. Okay? They're not being redundant here. It's not saying let's make them in our image and in our likeness. Say it twice. They're two totally distinct ideas. The issue here is, if we're being honest, we're not quite sure what is meant by image. And this is why I say that. So the word, the Hebrew word for image is in Scripture 17 times. That's used here, 17 times. Ten of those times, it's used to refer to something that looks similar to another object. Okay, here, to be completely honest, not quite clear. Not quite clear. There's lots and lots of uh, historical, biblical theologians that are, to be honest, way more intelligent than I am, and they can't come to a conclusive decision on it either. But likeness, likeness is clear. Likeness is almost in every sense used to mean to be like or resemble. To be like or resemble. So what does this mean? 
What does this mean for us as, as human beings to be made in the image and in the likeness of God? This is what it means. It means that we can be like God. We can be like God. It also means that we probably share some resemblance uh, to, to angels. That, that's through the study. That's kind of what um, I've, I've learned and, and, and seen. But it means that we can be like God. And we can be like God in the way that we love others. We can be like God in our ability to be burdened when we see someone separated from God. We can be like God in our ability to hear people. And we can be like God in our ability to speak to people. And we can be like God in our ability to act. And having the ability to be like God, not equal to, hear the difference. I'm not equating us to God, but I'm saying that we can share similar characteristics to Him as we were made in His image. So in having that ability to be like God and being set apart by God, which is further confirmed in Genesis 9, 5, and 6, which says, And for your lifeblood I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. God's made us in his image. And he, he holds our blood, he holds our lives in higher regard than he does with others. There will be a special accounting for anybody who sheds our blood. And so there again, God's making it clear to his creation. Right here, he's talking to Noah. And he's saying, listen, to Noah and his family, he's saying, listen, you have a special responsibility to one another. You have a special responsibility to humankind. And so in our ability to be like God, we must see the value in our fellow man. We must see the value in our fellow man and see each and every individual person from the richest of rich to the poorest of poor, regardless of race, regardless of creed, regardless of origin, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of anything that you can use to separate an individual from another, we are supposed to see that human being as valued. We're supposed to see that human being as having something intrinsic within them that God created that thing, that being, that person, and it separates them from everything else. And as Christians, it's our job to see the world like God sees it. We must make what's most important to God most important to us. We must make what's most important to God most important to us. And we have to see the importance of evangelizing to our fellow man. We have to see that importance as Christians. It's our job, like I just said, to see the world as God sees it. And there's nothing more important to God. Nothing more important to God than being reconciled with his favorite of his creations. God wants to be in relationship with each and every person that walks this earth. In the midst of building the temple in 1 Chronicles twenty-two nineteen, God states, he, he's telling the men there that are building, now set your mind and your heart and seek the Lord your God. Set your mind and your heart to seek the Lord your God. Then we go all the way to New Testament in Colossians 3, 1 through 12, and it says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. See, as Christians, we are supposed to have the same mindset as God. We're supposed to have the same heart as God. That's supposed to be our focus. That's supposed to be our goal. And God's focus, his heart, is on man. And he wants to be reconciled. He wants to have relationship again. He wants to, to be able to walk next to all of us. All of us. Not just those that have heard and believed, but those that have heard and have questioned, those that have heard and, and walked away. 
He wants to be in relationship with each and every single one of us. As Christians, it's important that God's focus is our focus and his focus is people. Since the point of the fall of creation, when Adam and Eve screwed things up, until Jesus returns one day, everything that God has done, everything that God is doing, and everything that God will do is working towards the reconciliation of the human race. All of it. All of it is God saying, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. He created Adam and Eve. We know that didn't work out. Not, not the way he had intended. They broke the rules and introduced sin into the world. And things got so bad that pretty early on, he restarted with Noah, right? He said, hey, I'm, uh, build this ark and get two of every kind and take your family and we're going to redo this thing. So he started fresh with Noah and he built nations with Abraham and Sarah and he even tried to guide the Israelites to the best land that he had given his beloved since Eden, right? Take him through the desert. He lived with them. He walked among them. He, he was in the temple with them. His spirit was with them. Moses, Moses had that one-on-one connection. He was leading people to where God wanted them and screwed that up. And eventually he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that we may be forgiven of our sins for the sole purpose of being in relationship with us again. That's pretty phenomenal. Time after time we screw it up and yet God says, I still want you. I still want to be with you. I still want things to work out with us. Now Christ, who was his son, with whom God himself said he was well pleased, was the ultimate example of what a Christian should be. His entire life was dedicated to evangelism. His entire life was dedicated to pointing others towards a relationship with God. Favorite line that Jesus has ever spoke, go and sin no more. Start over. Doesn't matter where you're at, doesn't matter where you're coming from, doesn't matter where you've been. From this point forward, move towards the direction of God the Father. And his whole, his whole life being centered around evangelism. Why? Why were people so important to Jesus? And I'll tell you, it's because that's ultimately what's most important to God. So much so that in Jesus' last command to us on earth, known as the Great Commission, he implores us to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them, and to evangelize to people, and to bring them into the family. And that's what we as as Christians, as followers, as believers are supposed to do as well. If we are not evangelistically minded, then what are we? Knowing everything that we know, knowing about the intrinsic value that human beings have as God's favorite of creation, knowing that God's heart and his desire, first and foremost, is to be in reconciliation with every single human being. If we are not evangelistically minded, if we're not focused on sharing the good news with everyone around us, then what are we? What are we? What are we as individuals? What are we as an organization? Are we the people that God wants us to be? Are we the church that we're supposed to be? If we're not focused on sharing the good news, if we're not focused on bringing people into relationship with God, here's the thing. We cannot afford to be inwardly focused. On a church level, churches who are inwardly focused are churches that are dying or are about to die or have died. Churches that are inwardly focused, that just look in their walls and say, we're going to do our thing and we're going to focus on us and we're going to make sure that everything for us is good and it's going to be just the way we want it and and 
people can come, but if they don't, oh well, we're doing our thing and it's great. Those churches will die. Those churches are not godly churches. And we cannot afford to be that way. If we only focus on what's going on inside of these walls, then we will lose these walls. I want you to hear that. If we only focus on what's going on inside these walls, then we will lose these walls. And that's true for every church. That's true for every church. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. 2 Corinthians 5.20 We therefore are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. When was the last time that you told somebody about Jesus? I want you personally to think about that for just a second. When was the last time that you told somebody about Jesus? When was the last time that you invited somebody to come to church with you? When was the last time that you invited somebody to come to Crosspoint? Was it this week? Was it this month? Has it been in the last six months? Last year? Last five years? Ten years? We're only ten years old, so. Never? See, I don't say this to be accusatory. That's not my goal. My goal is not to be accusatory. It's to be encouraging. If I'm being honest, I don't think that we as a church are overly inwardly focused. I don't think that we are. But I do think that we are a church that on a case-by-case, individual-by-individual level, we can be better. And that's a mindset. That's a mindset. That's a mindset that says, I can always do better. That's a mindset that says, I can always be more like Christ. That's a mindset that says, even though I think I'm doing a pretty good job, I know that there's just a little bit more that I can do. It's a mindset that looks at self and says, here are some areas that I can improve, and I'm going to try to strive and, and work towards doing that. Again, this is not an accusation, but I am trying to encourage you to understand that if we see human beings the way that God sees human beings, and we truly want to have the heart that God has for people, then it's our ultimate goal, our ultimate goal to tell as many people and to bring as many people to God as possible. We need to be telling people about what God has done for us every single day of our lives. We need to be inviting people to church every chance that we get. And I'm not necessarily saying that you have to walk around with a placard on, right, and front and back, hey, come to church with me, here's the address, here's the time. But I am saying that there are times in your day-to-day when conversations arise where that opportunity might come up for you. And my question is, are you taking it? Are you letting others know that God has made a difference in your life? Are you letting others know that God can make a difference in their life? Are you inviting other people to share and what you have been given. As Christians, we should all strive to be our best selves. Individually, we should all try to be as much like Christ as we possibly can be. Always looking at that as the goal. One day I want to be just like Christ. Maybe we'll never get there. Newsflash, we're probably not ever going to get there. But that doesn't mean that we can't try. It doesn't mean that we can't get better. It doesn't mean that we can't move forward. It doesn't mean that as a church we can't open up these doors and say everyone's welcome all the time, no matter what. Come in. Hear about God. Learn about what He can do for you. Here's what He's done for me. 
we have that duty as Christians. That's what the parable of the sower is all about. We'll probably talk about that, but for those of you that don't know, the guys were given some tenants, and, 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 and God had, or this is Jesus talking in the sower, and he, he's going through the story about these three men, and they were all given uh, something and, and, and some money, and, and, and God had said, I'm referring this to God because that's what the, the parable does, but I'm trying to be clear and not get two things confused and mixed up. So anyways, three tenants, they're all given the same amount. One of them goes out and he doubles it, one of them triples it, and one of them hides it and does nothing with it. He's scared to lose it, right? And so he holds it in, and this gift that he's been given, he could have multiplied it, and he could have done really good things with it. What do we do with the gift that God has given us? If you've received salvation, do you hold on to it? Deep inside, do you not share it? Do you keep it down in, afraid that maybe if you go too far out of bounds that you might lose it or you might get off track? Or do you see it as a gift that you can give to others? And you can say, Christ has granted me salvation. And this is where I was and this is where I am now and I know where you are and where maybe you could be and, and, and God loves you regardless of where you've started, regardless of, of any situation that you've been in. Those of you that don't know my history, it's bad. You know, I, I was a drug user and for lack of a newer age term, a womanizer, I, I don't know if that's right. I'm sorry, that's probably not the best term to use. But my point being, I was not a very godly person. And yet, God came into my life and completely redirected the focus of everything that I was and everything that I've done. So much so that he made me a pastor. He called me to preach. I look at that and I say, if God could call me, then he can call anyone. And if God can fix me, if God can forgive me, then he can forgive anyone. And I just see that as, as Christians, as people, as a church, it's our job to be the hands and feet. To go out and reach beyond these walls and to bring people back and to say, there's something out there greater for you. I think that we as a church have a lot to offer. I think that the individuals of this church have a lot to offer. I think that we should be inviting people to share in what it is that we're doing and what it is that, that we have, which is the ultimate gift of God, which was His Son who came to this earth and died on a cross to forgive our sins and to bring us back into right relationship with God, which is all He wants. And that's our job. And that's our job as Christians. And what we have to determine is, are we going to take that responsibility and that job seriously? Are we going to see what it is that God has done for us and, and take that and share that gift as Jesus has called us to do, as, as God wants us to do? Or are we just going to be okay with receiving the gift ourselves and not multiplying, not being fruitful? And that's a decision, honestly, that we have to make on an individual basis. But if we as a group of individuals can make that choice, can say that we will be the type of people who are outwardly focused and who want to share the good news and want to bring people into our walls, then we will be a church that is godly focused and we will be a church that grows and we will be a church that explodes and we will be a church that can reach even more beyond these walls. And we can do greater things for the kingdom. And that's the focus. That's the goal. It's to do for the kingdom, what God would allow us to do. 
Let's pray, shall we? God, I come to you right now and I thank you for who you are and for the things that you've done for us. God, you made us and, and, and called us the very best and, and, and gave us the power to rule the creation around us and the power to be in relationship with you and that's so unique and that's so special and God, I think sometimes we don't quite grasp or understand exactly what it is that you want from us, but the one thing that we can be confident in that we can know is that you love people and that you want us to love people and that your heart is to be reconciled with people. Your heart is for us as as your children, as, as Christians, to bring the good news to the world around us and to to share our life stories about the things that you've done for us and the changes that you've made in our own hearts and in our own minds and in our families and in the world around us. God, you are truth and you are powerful and you could do all this without us and yet you ask us to be a part of it. And and I think that itself is more amazing than anything that we might be able to grasp. Help us to be a church that focuses on what you focus on. Help us to be individuals who have the heart for people who say, I want to be a person who helps others come into relationship with God. Help us to be a church that facilitates that. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.